familiar with the Bible, no fears. Um, you can cheat off your neighbor and look and see where they're at in their Bible. It's closer to the back. If you got to Revelation, you went a little too far back up, and you'll find First Peter tucked in there. Um, this is the last day of the new year, right? I feel like I told Katie last night, I said, I really feel like we skipped a couple months. Like, I don't know how we got here. Like, it, we, we were doing good. It was June. All of those good things happened. And then pff, December, right? So we're, we're here, and we're at the, the last day of December. And, and this is the day where we tend to do some reflecting. We look back at our, our year and all of the, the successes and the failures, all of the good days and the bad days. We look back at the wins and the losses of, of our life, and, and it, it tends to make us think where we're going, what, what things do we want to accomplish, what do we want this new year to be like. Some, for some reason, we, we think that the, the dawning of a new year will bring change. And so, so yesterday... I needed some, some articulated research, so I did what every other, everybody else does. I went to Facebook, because that's where truth lies, right? So I just put out there yesterday evening, hey, two things. Tell me what's the, the number one uh, resolution you've made that stuck or that lasted, and what's the one that you gave up on the quickest? Um, dieting was the number one gave up on quicket. Like, like we, we think, we, like everybody wakes up in the morning going, I'm going to be healthier today. And by lunchtime, you have wrecked that bad boy, right? Like there's still pine cake in the refrigerator. You're done. Like you, you're not going to. So this year, instead of us as a church making resolutions that won't make it till next Sunday, what if we vowed instead of a new year, new you, what if we vowed to have a new year and a holier you? What if we set our attention and our focus on the things of God this year? instead of trying to somehow inwardly make us better. Because here's the reality. If you want to be better, strive for holiness. God will work that out. If you want to be better, strive for holiness. God will take away the greediness. God will take away the slander. God will talk, take away those words you wish you didn't say and those habits you wish you didn't have. I've talked with many folks, and, and we had some good feedback yesterday on the old Facebook, and some people were messaging me because they were, like, their stuff was kind of private, and they didn't want, you know, thousands of folks knowing what their deal was. We had everything from we quit smoking to we quit doing drugs. Uh, one guy said, hey, I quit cheating on my wife, and I was like, that's probably a good one. Um, <laughs> and the smoking and the drugs are good, too. Um, some great things. People say, hey, I, I vowed at this, at this junction in my life that I was no longer going to do these things. But we come into the end of the year. I'm in my fat clothes because um, nothing else fit this morning. I was throwing things out. Uh, there's a reason I'm wearing a vest, and it's not because I'm cold in here because I'm sweating bullets. Scott, I didn't want you to see my bulge of the shirt. We come in today and knowing that we need to make some life changes, but coming today recognizing we need to take strides towards holiness. Turn in your Bible to 1 Peter, chapter 1. Peter's writing to the church, and he is encouraging them. He tells them in the beginning of chapter 1 that you must be born again to a living hope. Our hope is only in Jesus. He has been, he has been our propitiation. He has been the glory and the grace that we needed. He tells us that he is our salvation, that the prophets and the priests talked about him in the coming days. He was predicted, and now he is here and he's holy, and because of that, we get this therefore in verse 13. 
Peter writes, he says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deed, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as gold and silver, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without a blemish or a spot. For he was foreknown before the foundations of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly, from a pure heart, since you've been born again, not to a perishable seed, but an imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Father, we pray over your word that you would use it to pierce the depth of our soul today. God, that you would pierce our hearts and we would, we would be open before you, that we would be honest before you, knowing that no one in here is perfect. No one in here is holy enough. No one in here is righteous enough. We all come in today with sin problems. We all come in today with apathy. We all come in with laziness. We all come in with the sin of silence. We all come in God, in desperate need of your grace and your mercy, God, we come in today celebrating that your mercy was new when our eyes opened this morning. God, that we are a new creature, not based off anything we've done, but what you have done for us. So God, we come in with our laundry list full of sin, and yet you are here to wash us white as snow. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that the grass withers and the flowers fail, but your word remains forever. Use it to penetrate us today. In the name of Jesus, we ask, and all of God's people said, amen. We're going to live holy this year. We said this year we're going to take steps towards holiness, and we're going to focus on the things that we can control. We're going to work in the disciplines of the Lord to be holy. Then the first thing the Scripture says we have to do is prepare our minds. We, we begin by preparing our minds. We know the battle. We know what's lying before us. We know there's tough days. We know all of these things. So, so we, we prepare our mind. Peter tells him, prepare your mind for action. For action. This call is, you're going to be doing something. And that something is not holding the pew down. I know we get some strict winds here in central Alabama. Um, that pew and that chair is not going to blow up. All right? If you're not sitting there, it'll be, be fine. Some of you need to get busy. Some of you need to get busy. We, you've been sitting and you've been eating and you've been at the table. You've created obese Christians and, and you need to start serving. 
God's preparing your mind for action, that you're going to start serving him and be faithful to him. And he, he tells us how to begin that. He says, live sober-minded. Live sober-minded. You Here he goes. He's going to talk about my drinking. I am. I want to be really clear about where I stand on alcohol this morning. I don't know that I've ever actually done this, but this being the last day of the year, it's probably a good time to do it um, because two-thirds of the church decided to take day off, right? Here's, here's my thoughts on drinking, and if it's not your thoughts, that's, that's okay. Um, I, I use the Bible, and so this is kind of where I formulated all of this. The Apostle Paul said, I'm free in grace. He says, I'm free in grace. The Apostle Paul spent a lot of time talking about foods that we could eat, that they used to could not eat, and things of that sort. So when I read the New Testament and I read about the wine, I am free under the grace of Jesus to partake of that. But I ask myself this question before I do. Is it going to help me be more like Jesus? Is it going to, I'm, I'm free. As long as it don't cause a brother to sin, as long as it's not going to cause me to sin, I'm free under the grace of God. But is it helpful for me? And the answer for me is no. It's not going to be helpful for me if I begin a drinking problem. I have an addictive personality. I know that about myself. You set chocolate chip cookies down, I'm going to clean the plate. My pastor, or my executive pastor was confessing this morning, he's got a peanut brittle problem. You, you give that brother some peanut butter brittle, he's going to eat it. He doesn't share. I'm the same. You put hot chocolate chip cookies down, it's ball game. I don't share, they're mine. I have an addictive personality. I know that about myself. So I, me and my family don't drink. I don't like the, the visual that that gives. If you walked into Munoz and I had a beer sitting in front of me, you wouldn't know if that was my first one or my fifth one. I don't like that. I don't like that perception. So I withstain from it completely. It's not in our home. My son is not going to find alcohol in my home, and it, which is a shame because I love to cook. Like I was in Louisiana long enough that they use a lot of wine-based sauces, and I would love that. I would love to be able to like, whip some of that up when you came over for dinner. You would like it too, but I'm not even going to go buy it in the store. You don't even find me shopping in the alcohol section. Like I, I'm, I'm in like the Diet Coke section, and I know that's just as bad. I know the aspartame is going to kill me. I know, but I try to live a life where I've got enough sin problem that I don't have to make other ones. So I withstain completely. I also do it with chemical. I don't, I don't focus on, I don't take, I don't take narcotics. I, I, I came out of operations. They're like, we need to give you, I'm like, nope, you ain't. Too many of my folks in my family have went down to drug addiction. You're not giving me that. Hey man, ibuprofen, we'll, we'll tough it out. Like I, I try to live life dependent-free because I hate the thought. And I'm a little snotty today, a little, a little nasally. You probably catch that. Um, I don't even like sinus medicine. I don't like thinking. I don't like thinking foggy. I don't like that, that thought when, you, when you're on that medicine, you're like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I can't, I can't finish sentences. And I hate that feeling. So, so when, when Peter says, live sober-minded, I'm like, Yes. Yes, live without the fog and live without all of the other things. But there's so many things that, that go into that. It's not just alcohol. It's not just chemicals. But, but people can, can cloud your judgment. People can cloud your judgment. But, but also, not just, not just people, but agendas. If you watch Fox 6 long enough, like, you're going to have an agenda. You watch NBC long enough, you're going to have an agenda. You turn it over to the network, my goodness. 
my goodness, I used to wake up every morning watching Fox and Friends. And by lunchtime, I was frustrated with our world. But Shannon, I was like, we done. Just pull the plug. It's all over. You turn on the news. Good evening. No, it wasn't. If it was a good evening, they wouldn't be on the air, right? Because they're going to spend the next hour telling you how it wasn't a good evening, right? I, and I, I, all of those agendas that they're pumping in, I was like, it, it clouds my judgment. I look around, I'm like, this world's going to, just going to Hades in a ham basket. I don't even know what that word means, but that, this world's going. I, all of these things will cloud your judgment. The people you put around you, the people you put in your circle, will affect you. You need to make sure that, that you're around believers. Now, I'm not saying isolate yourself from the lost, because if you isolate yourself from the lost, you'll never have conversations with lost people. But I'm saying you need to have people who are speaking life into you, who are, who are helping you and aiding you in spiritual battle. So he says, he says prepare your minds by, by being sober-minded, not having anything that would cloud your judgment, whatever that looks like. He says, set your hope on the grace of Jesus Christ. Set your hope on the grace of Jesus Christ. If we could gain anything in 2018 that would be beneficial for us, it would be that our, our hope is in Jesus. It's not in a bunch of 18 to 22-year-olds playing football. It's not in a baseball team. It's not in a basketball team. It's not in your 401K. It's not in your job. It's not in your house. That your hope would be imperishable. It would be in Jesus. Everything else will fail. Everything that house you love to call home, one day somebody will tear it down. That, that life you've built up, that 401k, will one day be cast out. That technology that we live for, that boat that we needed, all of those things that we need in our life, one day we will throw away. One day we'll throw away. I found a camera. Katie has went through a crazy phase since she's been off work. It's called Clean Out. I found three digital cameras. It was fun to like, I had to go find batteries because, you know, they used to take that. And students, these are cameras you used to buy. And these were, these were, these were fancy ones. Like, these were digital. They were like, like back in like 02, they were so expensive, like hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And like, you, you had to like press button and they come on. The little, Caleb thinks that's the greatest toy ever. Like, he found them. He's like, snap. They're not going to ever take a picture again. But he likes them. I was flipping through some of those pictures before I got in ministry. Mike, brother, I had a head full of hair. Boy, I was skinny. I looked good. Katie looks pretty much the same, but I looked good. I, oh, that hair was there. I was, oh, I, I probably wasn't, I was like 240 and still in football weight. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying, Eric? I was still football weight. Walked in a room, people were like, you play ball? I was like, yeah. Now I walk in a the room, they're like, oh, you're buffeting. <laughs> <clears throat> Everything about you your body fails, your, your, everything begins to fail. So when we set our hope and our affection in Jesus, and not on stuff, those cameras, they're garbage. Caleb now uses them as pictures. He, he looks up and goes, cheese. The stuff we have that we took so much pride in getting, it'll wear out. That new truck, wear out. That house, wear out. Your bank account will draw up. But when we set our hope on the grace of Jesus, the grace of Jesus surpasses every ounce of understanding that we can comprehend. The grace of Jesus is so amazing that when you woke up this morning, even though you had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the penalty of sin is death, you're still here because the grace of Jesus is still present. 
So when we put our hope in the grace of Jesus, we're saying no matter what comes at me, Jesus is still going to be there. No, no matter how long I live, if I live to be 105 or if I make it to 32, Jesus is still Lord of everything and he's still Lord of all. And one day I will enter into his kingdom. One day he will look at me and he will say, Jeff, well done, my good and faithful servant. And I know that no matter what comes at me in this world, if persecution comes or if death comes because of my faith, Jesus is still Lord of all. So when my hope and confidence is here, it's in Jesus and him alone. In Christ alone, my hope is found. And nothing else. Everything else is feeble. But if we're, we're, we're going to start a new year, it's, it's beyond preparing our minds. We must learn obedience. To live holy, we, we must be obedient. He tells them, he says, he says, resist the fleshly passions. What if this year you made strides in your holiness by realizing that you've got sin problems? Realizing it. Because we all do. Like, you, you don't have to be like, not me. No, you do. Like, we've all got areas of our life that we don't want to talk about. We don't want to look at. Like, I've been avoiding the mirror now for three weeks. I don't want to look at that. Like, I hope, the, I hope the shower has steamed up the mirror when I get out. I hope that. I've turned the fan off. I don't want to look at what I've got going on. What a, it's not the out of sight, out of mind. We all have sin like that. What if we resisted the fleshly passions of greed, of sexual sins? What if we resisted gossip and gluttony? What if we said, Lord, I've got enough. I just want more of you. What if we resisted all of the fleshly desires of our culture? What if we said we're, we're, we're satisfied in Jesus let all of your conduct be holy. Let all of your conduct be holy. Everything you do, that it is wrapped in holiness. The, the business adventures you get in this year, we're going to pay taxes in a little bit. So when you go to filing taxes, let your conduct be holy. I had really in a struggle. It was cold the other night, and the lady at Sonic gave me a dollar too much back. What do you do? Growing up, I'd be like, "Woo, dollar bill!" I'm a blood-bought child of God now. I've got to do things biblically. I've got to do things holy. So I had to back out because I remember fat season. I had to back out so I could get out of the truck, give her a dollar back. It's not my dollar. It wasn't mine. It was hers. Got to got to be holy in everything you do. Your conduct needs to be holy, students. When you're taking tests. Your neighbor's got the old elbow up and you can see all their answers. Be holy. Be, they're probably wrong anyway. Be holy. When you're making decisions about who to date and what to do on those dates, be holy. Parents, when you're letting your children go out, be holy. Ask the questions. Do the things you need to do as a parent to guard your children. Be holy. When you're in your home, be holy. Don't just take off your righteousness at the door. Let your house be a haven of the truth, that all of your conduct is holy and, and uprighteous to the Lord. When we're thinking of our conduct, we must make our tongue, our thoughts, and our actions holy. The words we speak, the thoughts we think, and the actions that we take must be representative of the God who has redeemed us. Thirdly, to live holy, remember your Redeemer. 
Remember your Redeemer. Every day you wake up, Lord, you saved me. This day is for you and not me. Lord, you've given me breath today, so today is for you and not me. Live holy. Remember your Redeemer. Remember you were bought with a price. You were bought with a price. If you've been redeemed, if you've been saved, my friend, you were bought with the bloodshed of Jesus. And listen, the church is really easy, and they, they step in like, salvation is free. And it is. It doesn't cost you a thing. But sometimes we, we attribute free to cheap, and that's not salvation. Salvation is free, but it wasn't cheap. It cost Jesus everything so that you could have life. It cost Jesus everything so that you could have life. A way to live holy is when you wake up in the morning, you dedicate your life to the one who paid the price for your sin. You wake up every morning embracing Jesus as Redeemer. Now listen to me. Listen to me. This will be the most important thing I've said all morning. If you wake up and you're not a believer because you've never trusted in Jesus, then somehow denouncing him Lord of that day ain't going to mean a whole lot. You have to know that you've been transformed by the good news of Jesus, that you've been transformed by the bloodshed of a Savior, that you're trusting in him as your as your source of salvation. And then you wake up every day. I have a friend of mine, I asked him, one day I said, how long have you been a believer? He looked down at his watch and he said, about seven hours. And I, I kind of gave him one of them, huh? Because like, I've been in seminary with him for years. He said, I wake up every day, give my life to Jesus. Not because he needs to be real, re-saved, because if you give your heart and life to Jesus, you're saved from now on. And I don't really like the once saved, always saved wording. If you've been saved, you're always saved. If you've been saved, if you've given your life to Jesus, you're always his. Who can pluck you from the Father's hands? So he says, every day I wake up and I give my life again to the Lord. I wake up, I die to myself daily, and I dedicate the day to him. You were bought with a price. It was an imperishable price. An imperishable price. He tells us that, that gold and silver will fade. It will fade away. Jesus paid with an eternal blood for you. He tells us that we must live in the bloodline of Christ. Because we've been saved, now we've been given a new name. Now we've been given a new hope and a new future. He is telling the church, he's begging them. He says, remember who saved you. Live the life in the fullness of Jesus. Live the life after the Lord, you've been redeemed. You've been set free. Now, live that way. Abide in the Word of God. Abide in the Word of God. The reason we gave our children Bibles today is we want them to know the Word of God. We want them to know what the Scriptures say. You need to find a Bible reading plan. It blows me away the number of people who have been saved the majority of their life and who have never read the Bible. We must know what the Word of God says so that we can live it out. Great tool for you is at palmerdellcross.org. That's our church website. should be in your bulletin. Um, you go to palmerdellcross.org, and there's a Bible reading tab. You click on that Bible reading tab. You can do it every day. It shows you where we're reading as a church, and January 1st, tomorrow, is a great day to start that. We'll read the Bible in a year once you start it, it takes 27 days to form a habit. I guarantee you, if you would dedicate your life to reading your Bible 
through January, you'll finish the year. That's free. What do you mean in my notes? <coughs> Excuse me. Fourthly, we live holy and we keep life in perspective. We live holy and we keep life. It's supposed to be in perspective. I quit typing for some reason. In perspective is that ending. When we keep our life in perspective, we realize it's short. That it's here today, gone tomorrow. Perspective is a funny thing though, isn't it? Because see, perspective is only by the eyes of who's looking at it. So if I put up a picture and we all looked at it, some of us would see a lot of different things. Katie and I were in Baltimore a few summers ago for the Southern Baptist Convention. And, and, uh, and I always enjoy going to those. And we were, we were up there. And when I go to a new city, I've got a bad habit. Got a bad habit. I want to eat locally only. Like, don't show me an outback. Don't show me that I want to eat locally. I want to go where, like, tourists are not. And so I pull up on the old Urban Spoon app. I pull up my location, and I find out that there is a is world famous, but it's, only, it's the one location. They're not chains. World famous Philly cheesesteak restaurant right there in Baltimore, Maryland. And I was like, ooh. And I'm on the map, right? And on the map, it's that far from my location. And I was like, woo! And I'm from Alabama. I'm from across the county. I didn't know what blocks were, right? So it's like 13 blocks. I was like, 13 blocks? What's that, a house? I didn't know. Like, got, there's a world uh, well beyond Pinson, Alabama out there. You need to hear this. I didn't know how long a block was. And so, like, Katie's in, like, this, this little, I think she's in skirt and dress shirt, and I'm in slacks and dress shoes, and so I'm in a, a like, I think polo. So we, we, we hike, because that's what this turned into. And, like, we've been walking 30 minutes for lunch on an hour lunch break. And she goes, how close do you think we are? And I pull up my phone, and we're not close. <laughs> Perspective will mess you up. Because you look at your life now and you go, I'm 30 this year. I'm, I just turned 30. I don't know, young buck, I know. I've lived 30 years. You start telling stories and you know, how long ago was that? That was 20 years ago. Some of you tell stories you're like 50 years ago. You ever heard Mark Brady tell a story? Mark Brady tells a story and he'll say, me and Billy Bob went out. Well, Billy Bob's dead now. Every story Mark Brady tells, somebody's dead. They ain't here no more. Don't be, don't be Mark Brady's friend, all right? Life is short. You, you remember, many of you remember the day your children were born, and now they have children and grandchildren. Many of you remember all of these things, and yet it blinks by. Went to my 10-year reunion, and I was like, are we really out of high school 10 years? And, and now I, I, we, we just, life is short. We must keep it in perspective. Peter reminds the church, he says, the grass withers and the flowers fade. All that we hold dear in this life will be gone. He says, but the word of God remains forever. So if we're going to keep our life in perspective, we must live for Jesus. We must live for Jesus. That our life is about his glory and his kingdom, not our own. If you want to make 2018 count, Make it about Jesus. 
Make it about his glory and not yours. Make it about his righteousness and not yours. Let the plans that you create and the plans that you draw up be bathed in the Holy Spirit. You're going to take a new job. Have you prayed through that? You're going to expand your family. Have you prayed through that? You're going to buy all this new stuff. Have you prayed through that? Have you dedicated your life to the Lord? Don't add Jesus as an addition. Let him take over the whole thing. Because we make crummy gods. A new year, let it be a holier you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. God, I pray that we would find it so important to live for Jesus this year. Father, I pray that that our hearts would be given over to you, Father. Lord, that our minds would be given over to you, Lord. That our plans would be given over to you. That we would walk in stride with your spirit. I pray that for our church. God, as we're, we're staring in the eyeballs some really big decisions. Lord, I pray that we would never get ahead of you. Lord, you've used this church as a beacon of hope this year. You've done incredible things. You've added and added and added. And we saw the baptismal waters stirred regularly. Father, we're in all of your presence. We're in all of who you are. But Father, we don't want you to stop. And we we pray you would continue to grow us, continue to mold us, continue to, to give us a passion for holiness. God, continue to give us a mindset that beats after your spirit. May we resist the urges to be in control. May we resist the urges to have to be right. May we resist the urge to be sinful. May we cling to holiness this year, that we've been set apart, that we've been called out, not because of us, but because of you. Because you've redeemed us, you've adopted us by grace. We're in the bloodline of Christ. And may we do well in your presence. God, I pray for someone under the sound of my voice who has never given their heart to you. What a day it would be for them to trust you as their salvation. For them to give you the authority of their life. For them to give you the authorship of their salvation. For them to trust in you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray if that person's in here this morning, you'll give them the, the power to stand up and come forward. Because we know that today can be the day of salvation. We know that there's power in your word. And we know that your heart's desire is that none would perish, but all would come to faith and repentance in Jesus. So, Father, I pray that if that lost one is in here, you'll stir in their hearts, that your spirit will convict and draw, and that they will receive forgiveness today of their sins. For those other folks that you're pressing on now to speak up or serve more or, or partner with us in ministry or partner with us in membership or partner with us by giving more, whatever you're doing, Father, I just pray. I pray you'd be, be the God they need to encourage them to live holy and more righteous. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your grace. 
We dedicate this invitation to you. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Will you stand